Hi, welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. My name is Laura Forehand, and I'm a Whole Brain Teaching staff member. And we are so glad that you are here with us today to talk about one more um, in the series of micro-stepping. But before we get to any of that, um, I'd like my co-host, Rhonda, to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Rhonda Arlt. I'm a second grade teacher in Kansas, and I am a Whole Brain Teaching staff member as well. And we want to welcome back Andrea Schindler, the Whole Brain Teaching Executive Board member to our podcast. Andrea has been on prior podcasts to help us understand how to microstep the attention getter, and most recently in episode nine, how to microstep the brain engager. So welcome, Andrea. Um, today we want to pick your brain and talk about step four of the whole brain teaching cycle, um, collaborative learning, the teach okay step in the whole brain teaching cycle. Can Before we get into the micro-stepping part, can you briefly explain to us or remind us about the collaborative learning piece and why it's so important for whole brain teaching? Sure. So our step four is our collaborative learning. As you said, it's the teach okay. And this is a really important part of our four-step cycle because we have our students, first we wanna get their attention. Um, there's no point in continuing on with a lesson if we don't have the student's attention. And so we want to make sure that we have our student's attention. And then we know that their attention and their focus um, doesn't last very long. So we want to jump right into that brain engager to get them all moving and involved and a part of the lesson. We want them to be active participants in that lesson, um, not just idle listeners or idle tuner outers, really. And so we get them involved, we get them engaged with the brain engager. And then with the direct instruction piece, it's being mindful of the fact that we have to chunk our lessons and break them down into smaller pieces. Um, we've just, we discussed this at conferences that as teachers, we tend to love to talk and talk and talk and talk. You know, we joke and say we're talkaholics. Um, the problem is, as coaches said many times, the more we talk, the more students we lose. And this is so true. And not only do we lose our students' attention and focus, but they lose the information that we're teaching them. They can't remember it all. So we need to give them time to be able to process that information and make that information their own. One of the highest levels and deepest levels of understanding is to be able to teach something else, something to someone else. And we can certainly take in all sorts of information from many resources, even as adults. You know, I, I learn so many new things, but then when I need to articulate it to someone else, I can never articulate it as well as when I heard it the first time. Mm -hmm. And so our goal is not that we remain the sage on the stage, um, you know, the, the holder of all wisdom and knowledge, but that instead the students can turn around and take that knowledge, make it their own and teach it to someone else. And so that teach okay is super important because they're taking a portion of the new learning, they're turning, they're collaborating with a partner, they're discussing it, they're explaining it, they're paraphrasing it. Um, certainly want, we want to get them also to critical thinking tasks. They're comparing and contrasting it and connecting it to other learning that they've learned throughout the year. And in doing that, that new learning becomes more deeply imprinted in their memory and their mind. And they now understand it better. They have a deeper understanding and they can also remember the information, which is super important. 
Yeah. It's almost like taking, um, responsibility for that learning. If you think about it, you know? Yes, that's right. And, and I think all too often, um, we as teachers, at least I know the way that I grew up. I mean, we teach as we were taught, we were taught, I was taught to sit and listen and take a lot of notes and, you know, just memorize it and regurgitate it. And most of it didn't stick, but we know now that that's not the way that the brain learns. And that actually the, the weakest part is the Wernicke's and the Broca's area for language and, and listening. And so we want to be able to incorporate those those um, deeper levels of learning, which is involving the motor cortex, the visual cortex, and then certainly by doing it and saying it and hearing it and not being just the person who's sitting and receiving the information, now I'm processing that information and I'm having to articulate it to someone else and process it with someone else. And so, I mean, even as teachers, we know how important collaboration is. When we're in isolation, we might have a good idea, a great thing that, you know, has worked very well, but when we collaborate and we get together with other educators, suddenly that idea takes birth and more people add to it. And it becomes something that was good, that truly becomes something great. And that even deepens our level of understanding of the idea that we had in the first place. So if that works with adults, why would we not use that same skill with our students? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You make some really good points. So when we think about this collaborative learning, this teach okay part of whole brain teaching, what does micro-stepping this step look like? So with the teach okay at the bare, bare minimum, when we're very first starting out and they're just using the first teach okay, the first teach okay that we use just to get them used to it is the teacher says teach, students say okay, and they turn and they teach their partner the information that um, the teacher has just taught them. And in doing so, there's no formality of, you know, um, who talks first or um, how do we switch partners. Instead, it's really just getting them used to that feeling of, wait, you're letting me talk to my neighbor because we tell the kids all the time or at least they've been used to traditional classrooms hearing no you can't talk and no you need to be quiet and so now we're actually giving them permission and using their desire to be social in a productive way and so just to get them comfortable both turn they talk to each other um, if one is talking, the, the other one is mirroring that person's gestures, and it's just very um, organic. It's not necessarily spelled out as far as partner to partner. And it does not stay that for the whole school year. As soon as your kiddos are comfortable and used to talking to each other, and that can happen pretty quickly. Um, sometimes we get, I mean, it's amazing. I'll get those classes where they, they, barely want to open up the first week or two. And then after they open up, oh boy, there we go. We're, we're ready to talk all the time. But then we can get into switching and taking turns with either the uh-oh switch or the high five switch. But when you're first rolling this out and you're micro-stepping so that your kids can get really good at the routine, they're learning a brand new routine, you want to refine it, you want to practice it well, remembering that what you accept is what you're going to get. And so you want to start with a very high level of engagement with it where everybody is um, 
focused and turning quickly and looking at their partner using those really good listening and speaking skills. Um, and this is super important right now. This is essential right now because we live in a society where people are very disconnected. They are tied to their smartphones. Um, people don't talk to each other and make eye contact anymore. And so where are our students going to learn these essential skills? They're gonna learn it in our classroom. And so right at the beginning, we wanna build those components in so that our kids have a deep understanding of what it means to work collaboratively with a partner. So for the teacher case steps, the step one is when I say teach, you're going to say, okay. And as you say, okay, you're turning to your partner. Step two is to make eye contact, to look that partner in the eye. And then step three is to mirror your partner's gest gestures, to take turns talking. And if you're not the, the speaker, you're mirroring your partner's gestures. And so when I break that down for my students, I just start with, I'm going to say teach, you're going to say okay, and we're going to see how fast you can say okay and turn to your partner. I will also throw in different variations. So at first, it's just some really quick, um, oftentimes I'm having them try it turtle slow and wolf fast, but just me simply saying teach, they say okay, and they, as they're saying okay, picture, they're saying okay, and they're turning as they're saying, okay. Then I might throw in two claps, teach. They say two, they do two claps. They say, okay, as they turn to their partner. So that very first step, we're just practicing them simply responding to my teach with a okay, as they turn to their partner. Step two, we're practicing how quickly they can now say, okay, turn to their partner and look at their partner in the eye, making that eye contact. Now, certainly, um, you know, I have to pause here for just a minute because I know that there's probably listeners out there thinking, well, what about the kids? If you have special needs kids or you have, you know, kids with autism and they're not likely to want to make eye contact. And so, um, I'm not removed from that. I have my fair share of special needs students, and we just adjust and accommodate for that student. And right. so, um, you know, at first, it may be that they're looking at the general direction, but the partner is still required to look at that student as best as they can and I still working on that eye contact skill, but you're definitely going to adjust. And remembering that you're gonna be setting those goals for eye contact, um, for students who need to work on that. I mean, that's what's so great about our super improver tool or using the scoreboard to do a whole class goal of today, we're gonna work on eye contact. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's funny to pause at that point, but I know that eye contact is something that can be difficult for some students who are mm -hmm. shy, who are withdrawn, who are introverts at the beginning of the year, and then certainly your special needs students. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean that we don't set the goal there. We don't say, well, you know, that's uncomfortable for that. No, we're maybe later on in the year. No, we're going to still set that goal there and have everyone practice and just do the best they can for the level that they're at. Some of the kids are going to be able to do that right away. Um, others, it may become a goal later in the year, or they may warm up as they use the strategy more often. But again, it's that idea of whatever we accept 
is what we're going to get for the year. So you want to set that bar high at the beginning of the year, spell out what those expectations are, and then work with the students so that everybody can be successful. So um, I know I paused for quite a bit there. So I just, you know, want to refresh everybody's memory that the very first micro step that you want to practice for Teach OK is practice just that simple part of you, the teacher saying teach, students saying OK as they turn to a partner, a full body turn. We're not talking um, glancing that partner's way. They're saying OK and they're fully turning their body towards that other student. Then that step two is making eye contact. And step three is mirroring the other person's gestures as the other person is talking or vice versa. And so we do some um, mirroring activities with partner to partner and speaking activities with partner to partner to help them out with that. Well, you mentioned switch when you were talking through this. Mm. Can you go um, a bit into that? Sure. Um, so as, as your kids get comfortable and you've done this micro step practice and you see that the kids are, you know, not needing so much micro step practice, you're actually able to just do your teach. Okay. The kids, when you say teach, they say, okay, they're able to do all three of those steps. They're able to say, okay, as they do a full body turn, they're able for the most part to make eye contact they're mirroring their partner's gestures. They're either talking together, which sometimes they might do, or um, at least one person in that partner pair is talking. You wanna be able to get them to where they can take turns. And there's really two ways that you can go about that. And, and you can use these two ways um, at any time, any way you choose to, but I feel that they have um, very distinctive characteristics. And so it's worth pointing out mm -hmm. um, how that variation can actually play into what your intention is. So for example, um, we have the high five switch with a high five switch, your students are partnered up. You can partner them as A's and B's. You can elbow partner, left or right partner, um, peanut butter or jelly, however you choose to partner your students up. But you assign one of the two in the partner pair to be the first speaker. That person is the first person who speaks and they go through the entire teaching cycle that you just taught them. And when they finish their teaching, they give a high five to their partner. And then it is now their partner's turn. And they continue to go back and forth. Now, uh, that's an important thing to point out to our listeners is that um, with the Teach OK, it's continuous. Mm -hmm. There's never I'm done or I did it. They continue to teach over and over again until you call the students back with the class. Yes. And that's really important. We found, we have found that uh, memory formation happens through repetition, many, many repetitions. And so simply saying it once is not actually going to move from short term to long term. So these students are going to high five, they're going to teach and then high five and teach and high five and go back and forth between each other um, the entire time until the teacher calls them back with the class. Yes. Now the uh-oh switch is a little bit different and um, you can use it in a different way. And, and I love, I happen to really love the uh-oh switch, but I love them both. So I use them for variety, but for different purposes. So with the uh-oh switch, this really dials in 
listening because with the uh uh-oh switch, one person starts out again, you let the um, teams know who's going to be going first today and, or for that teach okay segment, if you choose to change it up throughout the day. And the first person starts speaking and teaching while the other person is mirroring the teacher says, uh-oh, switch. When the teacher says, uh-oh, switch, and it's pictured that you're pulling down like the switch on a, um, on a train, the brake, you're pulling on that brake, you're saying, uh-oh, switch, you're pulling down uh, that switch in the air. And teacher says, uh-oh, switch. Students say, uh-oh, switch. And now it becomes the other partner's turn. But here's where it is a little different. That partner needed to be listening to the first partner and what they were teaching because they actually pick up the lesson where the first partner left off. So that's very different because instead of in the high five switch, the student gets to complete their whole teaching segment, whatever it is. So say, for example, you know, they're learning about nouns and they're turning to their partner and they're saying a noun is a person, a place or a thing. For example, my teacher is a noun because my teacher is a person. They got to say that entire segment. They give that high five. Now it's the other partner's turn to now teach and give an example. Okay. But with the uh-oh switch, partner one might have only been able to say a noun is a person, place, Teacher says, uh-oh, switch. Now the other per- partner has to be listening, actively mm-hmm. listening because they're going to pick up and say, or thing. For example, and then maybe the teacher, you call out, uh-oh, switch again, goes back to the first partner. Now they have to provide an example. Um, a tree is a noun because, and then if the teacher says, uh-oh, switch again, it goes back to the other partner and they have to say, because it's a thing. So hopefully um, it's a little difficult to articulate this like uh, verbally for you, for people who are listening. I'm, I'm used to demonstrating this in person for sure. Hopefully I've been able to explain that well, but like I said, you want to get your kids as soon as they're really good and comfortable with teaching their partner, you want to get them to switching with partner pairs and that that high five switch is really great um, for kids to teach an entire lesson in its complete cycle. I always go to the high five switch right away Mm -hmm. and get them comfortable with that high five switch first. And then when I want to throw in that challenge and have them become better listeners, because honestly, a lot of times they can be actively engaged in, in doing the mirrors, but still tuning out. Um, so they have to be an active listener when you throw in that, uh, oh, switch, because now you have to pick up the lesson where your partner left off. And so that adds that challenge and that, um, critical thinking skill. I love that active listening piece, um, because that's such a great social skill. I mean, Mm -hmm. even for me, I think of how many times I'm looking somebody in the eye and, you know, it looks like I'm paying attention (laughs) and it's like. Whoops, I wasn't quite listening to what, you know, my husband can attest to that. (laughs) I'm so glad someone else struggles with that. It is some, and then the worst part is when you, I don't know if you do this, but when you realize you've done it and you think, 
oh my gosh, I haven't been listening. Like my mind was on my list or my, you know, this I had to do. And then you tune back in and you're like, oh, what were they saying? If they asked me, I don't know. And you try to like pick up what they were saying. And then you don't know if you should nod and say yes or nod and say no. Like, I I don't want to agree to something that is really bad and have them say, wait, you think that's good? Oh, wait, no, no, no. So I, I totally understand. And I think as adults, if we struggle with this, imagine our students, they need that extra help. Um, I do want to point out also ladies, and I'm, I'm maybe jumping ahead of you because this might've been one of your questions, but I just didn't want to leave this out for listeners um, just in case it, it wasn't in the list of questions. But we oftentimes get um, people who ask, what do I do if I have an odd number of students. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's something really important that we should mention. And um, it's, if you have an odd number of students, not a big deal. You can have students 3Z up, and I'll explain that. Or you can have them teach their shoe. I know that sounds really funny, but um, it's actually a crack up. And sometimes for students that are really struggling, and, and, and I would like to briefly mention about, you know, your students who do have special needs and can't interact with other students, because that's certainly also a strategy for those students. But sometimes I'm the kiddos, they crack me up. I had a student last year who was teaching his shoe, and, and I actually leave it to choice for my students. Do you want a 3Z up or do you want to teach your shoe? I make it a choice. Um, And I had a a kiddo whose shoe was nodding back at him. (laughs) So I thought that was pretty great. You know, Um, your only difficulty that you have with that is if you're using an uh uh-oh switch, because then the student just continues the lesson the whole time. You may want to make the choice if that's the situation, or maybe you're okay with that student continuing on um, to be the only person speaking the whole time. But when you 3Z the students up, it's, really simple. If you're doing the high five switch, one person is the teacher, the other two are mirroring, and then you just give a high five to the next person in the, in the triad or triad, triad. Um, and then it becomes that person's turn to teach and the other two are mirroring. And then they just continue to high five around in the three C circle. When it's the uh Oh switch, same thing, except for that one person starts out first. That person is a person teaching. The other two are mirroring and gesturing. Teacher says, uh-oh, switch. And it just becomes the next person's turn in the triad. So it, it or triad. I don't know why I keep saying that, triad. Um, and so really you just continue to cycle them through all three of the partners. And, it's, and it works just as fine as if you have two. But I always tell my students there's no more than three because if you had four, then that's obviously two partner pairs. Um, but speaking on the, the special needs students, you know, you will have students from time to time that, you know, depending on, you know, I've had students who are on the spectrum. I've had students who um, have some aggression and they can't always work with a partner right away. Mm -hmm. And so I sit and have a conversation and you can't have them teach their shoe if it's just a short-term thing. Maybe it's a kid who's having a really hard day and they're struggling and 
They just need a break. Okay. So then, you know, you can teach your shoe or your water bottle, whichever, you know, um, I've seen some really cute things because obviously during this time of social distancing, I've seen teachers at school who've created, um, like printouts that they have put on their plexiglass for students to teach. I've also seen them bring in mirrors so they can watch and teach themselves, uh, which is interesting too. But when you have that special needs student, I've, I've had quite a few students in my time that to get them used to working with a partner and working on appropriate, like what is appropriate physical space? What is appropriate hands, what you're doing with your hands and things like that, um, that we practice with their favorite character. And so I'll have, you know, a conversation with them who their favorite character is. And, you know, maybe it's a superhero. And so we print out that superhero. We, you know, the student can color that superhero. We can tape it up and they practice those um, skills with that superhero. And maybe that superhero has to stick around for a while. So maybe, you know, if that's the case, then each week I have them pick a new superhero. And when they show that they're able to use those appropriate physical boundaries, appropriate boundaries is more what we're talking about. Not if they're able to make eye contact, because that's not an expectation that I have right away, but that they're able to not be up in someone's face or have their hands on them. So sometimes we have to practice in that way first before we roll out with an actual um, physical partner. So if that makes sense. Absolutely. Really good points there. Um, we talked in our last episode about all the virtual teachers that are out there right now. And so how does this look virtually, if you can speak to that? Sure. Um, so it, this, this is interesting because this has been um, it, it, teaching virtually, and I'm sure the listeners out there can probably agree with this, has brought up unforeseen um, quirks and problems that you don't think about. You, it just doesn't come to mind until you're actually doing it with the students. And then you think, huh, okay, We've got to work around this. And so one of them that was not surprising was who are they going to turn to? Okay. Um, and so we have made it where um, we have our learning buddies. Our learning buddies is a stuffed animal. Every morning we sign on five minutes early. I have students make sure they have a water bottle next to them. They've used the restroom. They have their, you know, learning materials. And part of their learning materials is their learning buddies. So it's a stuffed animal. We don't call it your stuffed animal. We don't call it, you know, I think at first I called it your stuffy and I thought, well, that's childish. We need to step it up a little here, right? Because they need to know this isn't a toy. This is our learning buddy. And we have practiced appropriate. Where do we place that learning buddy? Well, it's going to be off to the side. It's not going to be in the camera. It's not going to be right in front of you. And so they turn and teach their learning buddy. Now, some of my students, their learning buddy is a parent. And if they have that, that's beautiful because then they're teaching their parent and their parent becomes involved in that learning process. And I've heard teachers out there who have um, made that their classroom learning buddy an adult, but we don't always have that ability to have an adult or another person around. So we have that learning buddy. It could be a learning buddy. Uh, you can also, I had thought when the year started, and this is just an idea to throw out there. Some people don't have the same time constraints. We are a two hour 
um, live day and it just, you know, and then I do additional small groups. It's not enough time to do what I thought I was going to do, which was I thought each week I could start out the week doing a directed draw and their directed draw character could become their learning buddy for the week, you know, maybe taped on the wall or taped on the desk or whatever. Um, and that's another way you can go also it heard of, and I, and I love this idea as well. Um, teaching their alpha hawk, getting a picture of their alpha hawk, someone. And for those of you who don't know what an alpha hawk is, you definitely want to check out um, our character education. And the alpha hawk is a component of that character education. But your alpha hawk is someone that you look up to, someone who inspires you, someone who epitomizes all of the character virtues, um, glorious kindness, positive leadership, selfless courage, invincible grit, brainy creativity. And so teaching their alpha hawk, having a picture there to teach their alpha hawk is certainly something that you can do um, so that they have a partner to teach. The other problem that um, has, has come up and my class actually came up with a really beautiful way of handling it and was super proud of them this year. But, you know, when you're in that context, you, you in the virtual, in the distance learning context, you have one student who is unmuted and everybody else is muted. Well, what, what was surprising to me that I didn't think of ahead of time is how often in the classroom, students will be teaching their partner, maybe they forget or get stuck, but there's their classmates around them that they can hear. In distance learning, if you only have one student unmuted or one or two unmuted, because you know we find if we have many students unmuted, it's really difficult to hear. Um, there's also the issue that comes up often where they might have a loud microphone, they might have a loud background noise. Um, you have to really evaluate that. I think the handoff, when you hand off to the students and they say, thank you, and you say, you're welcome, that's a great time to do a mic check and decide how long am I going to have this kiddo unmuted because sometimes the sound feedback that comes back, it doesn't allow you to do that. And these are things that really have been uh, difficult with teaching online. You have to really work it really. But once you get a good person to be your leader, who's got, you know, great sound, great. Um, there's no feedback. There's no, nobody in the background screaming around them. Okay. And you've got that person there, your unmuted voice for that day or that section of the learning. They're the only one teaching their learning buddies. So if they get stuck, it's quiet. Well, I had a beautiful, I, what I would do is I would call the students back and then do a little reteach and remind, uh, but a beautiful thing happened. And so um, we have the help me please. And that's usually when you call on a student, when you call on a student, if they get stuck, they can say, help me please. And students unmute. We don't usually use that in a teach okay. Um, but my students sort of invented a help me please without saying to help me. I had a student that was turned and teaching their learning buddy and was coming up with examples, but then got stuck. And before I could pull the class back, I had another student unmute and continue teaching their learning buddy. And then when they're the person who was supposed to be the unmuted voice picked up and realized what they were supposed to be doing, they that student muted themselves. It was the most beautiful thing. 
I thought, wow, how for that student to see that their friend needed a little help, but then they didn't overstep and want to continue. So they just, you know, quietly remuted themselves. So we have, we made a big deal about how gloriously kind that was, how wonderful it is to help your friends if they get stuck, but then also to allow them to continue the learning process on their own. I mean, these are second graders. I couldn't believe the finesse in that. It was a beautiful moment. And so we have now used this, um, you know, silent help me. If you hear someone who gets stuck, you can help them get unstuck. But remember that when they get unstuck, that you want to let them continue what they're doing. And so um, that worked out very beautifully and very organically because it was not something that I had thought of or planned. And those are some of the most beautiful changes, I think. Absolutely. I totally agree. So Coach has just released a brand new book, uh, Virtual Instruction Quick Start. Can you share a little bit about what readers can expect to glean from this new book? So um, I have ordered my copy. I don't have it in my hot little hands yet. It's in route and I'm, I'm excited to jump into it. But, you know, Coach, as the year has been going on, has been rolling out um, virtual instruction um, strategies for us to use, including framing up, which is basically a strategy where you frame up in the camera, the kids are up close in the front row seat of their learning, using lots of gestures, the handoff that I just spoke about. And he's just got a lot of strategies for us to use to be able to help reach and engage our students during this time. Um, virtual learning is difficult during this time only because you know you have a classroom full of students who are in their homes with all the distractions around them and everything that entails and you know not as much structure there's not a lot um it's not as structured as the classroom i'll just say that students oftentimes feel like they have the freedom to you know get up and you know go do somersaults off their bed or, um, you know, leave the room and you have an empty chair. So pulling in those students is taking a lot more tools. I will say that. And so coach has been rolling them out since the start of the year, but you know, what's unusual is it, it this is an unprecedented times as you know, we keep hearing over and over again, but it's true. We've never started a school year online. We never ended a school year online. I mean, unless you were an online instructor, instructor, and that's very different than students who are used to being in a public school setting in, in person. And so we are doing this um, and creating it as we go. We don't, there's no experts in the field that have gone through this ever before. And so we're becoming the research. Um, we're becoming those, those, the research groups, we're becoming those experts by trial and error. And so coach started out right at the beginning of the year, coming up with strategies, but knew that we needed some time to try them out. They needed time to be tweaked, to be refined, um, to be fine-tuned. And so now he's compiled what we have so far and put it in an instructional manual. But I'm sure there's going to be more um, 
more to that as the year goes, because as the year unfolds, we're going to need more. But I know he felt it on his heart that he needed to at least get something in print to get in teachers' hands. And so I know I'm looking forward to my book is supposed to arrive on Thursday of this week. And so I'm looking forward to getting diving into that book and, and seeing what the finished product looks like. So, well, I'm anxious to look get my copy too but is it going to be okay if you're face-to-face is this a book that a face-to-face teacher would want to purchase as well um I okay so I was not sure when we started out the year about the virtual strategies um being used in the classroom Uh, my understanding when coach was rolling this out was that it was just for your online teachers and then it's like I said the research is happening in the classrooms right now and in the Facebook groups in our whole brain teaching Facebook groups, many of our in-person teachers started using the strategies in their classroom, in their in-person classroom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've got so many unusual um, things going out, going on um, out there. We've got some teachers who are teaching all in person and having to follow those COVID guidelines. We have others that may not have those guidelines in place at all, which is interesting to me. And we have others that are teaching in person and online at the same time. And then we have people who are teaching online all the time. And so there's so many different um, ways that the classroom is constructed right now. It's it's kind of interesting to me that there's been so many different combinations um, for the solution of how, how are we going to do school this year? Um, safely and effectively. But what's interesting is to see that teachers have picked up these tools that were created for distance learning, and they're actually using it in person in class. And so I absolutely think that there's, as a teacher, I feel like the bigger your back pocket is with tools, the better. And I believe that this would be a great book to have, whether you're in person or not in person. And then also understanding that, um, hey, there's nothing wrong with being extra prepared because none of us know what it's going to be like tomorrow. We we all have, I, I know we all have the hope on our heart for getting back to the old normal, not the new normal, like getting back to life as, as it was. But we don't know when that's going to be. And I know, you know, many started in person and have had to go to online. And so having those tools and, you know, I I think one of the things that has made me feel very blessed about this community that we belong to is that we're all in this together. I'm getting to see teachers using it in the classroom. I'd never thought of that. And thinking, you know, this, what a great transition for me if I go back in person my kids know these strategies. So it makes sense that we would use these strategies in the classroom. You know, I had even thought, well, I wouldn't need to use the frame up because we're not in a camera, but Hey, they've equated that, um, frame up to sitting up and being scooted in and up close and personal. So what's wrong if I go in the classroom? I mean, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm going to try it out if I'm back in person and say, okay, everybody frame up because they understand that that means that we're getting up in our learning frame and that has a different meaning. And so um, I feel like this is going to be a great 
tool chest for me to use when I go back in person, but certainly those people who are using it already in person, if they have to go to online learning, they've already done a lot of the work. Their kids now know these strategies. And so um, long answer, yes, I think in person, online, however you're teaching, I think this is a great book. It's a, it's, it looks to be, it appears to be a fast read. And I think it's going to just add to that tool chest of strategies to help your kids to be engaged during this really difficult and challenging time in teaching history. What a great, yeah, great point. Great point. Um, I don't, I, I'm, my mind is blown, really, just listening to you talk. It's just, we have so enjoyed having you on this podcast and our other two podcasts. You are, um, I was typing Rhonda in the messages. I said, Andrea is a dream guest. <laughs> She's just, she just has so much information to share and it's so incredibly helpful. But where can people find out more about you more and more about um, the information that you've shared on this podcast? So first stop always is going to have to be our Whole Brain Teaching website, www.wholebrainteaching.com. That is where you're going to find um, so many resources, downloads, free downloads. Um, The beautiful thing about Coach, everything that he creates um, as far as his downloads and his eBooks, obviously not the published books, but the the downloads and the free eBooks that we have on our TPT store, they are beautiful masterpieces. He puts his whole heart into it. It's one of those things where you don't get what you pay for because it's free and it's beautiful and wonderful. And we don't charge for any of that. Um, There is videos that that teachers can watch that are on that website, but then also on our YouTube channel. And Mm -hmm. so um, those are places that you're going to want to check out. That Whole Brain Teaching website is going to link those um, TPT, Teachers Pay Teachers, in um, resources in our Whole Brain Teaching store. It also links to our Whole Brain Teaching YouTube channel. So those are great places to go to. And then when you want to get those supports, you're going to want to check out our Whole Brain Teaching Facebook groups. We have Facebook groups for all grade levels, as well as the Whole Brain Teaching Facebook group for um, virtual learning, for Peregrine Island, for Super Improvers. And you're just going to find a great place where teachers are jumping in, sharing what's going on in the classroom and um, sharing their insights and their resources and encouragement and advice and support and pointing you in the direction. If you have a question and you don't know where to find your answer, they're gonna point you in the right direction. As far as with me, um, I have a broadcast that um, does not get to be done weekly like I would like to be done weekly, Um, but I have a ton of live broadcasts through the Periscope app. If you go to at WBT Little Rocket, there is a whole library of Periscopes. I started out the school year doing uh, Periscopes every single day uh, before the demand became just a little too much balancing. There's a lot of balance. You know, um, I think one of the uh, myths out there is that teachers are you know, only teaching online a couple hours and we're, you know, in our home spa the rest of the day. And really the amount of work creating digital resources, as well as 
um, answering parent. I'm an IT person. I'm, you know, helping parents navigate the, the IT, hunting down kids who haven't been sure. I mean, there's so much to it. So I went from daily to weekly and then keep finding that, you know, in this unusual time, there's stacks on stacks of meetings. I, it's an interesting thing. I think, you know, when we used to just have our regular lives, if you said, oh, I can't meet that day, I have another meeting, that was an acceptable answer. Now it's, well, you'll just schedule the Zoom the minute the other ends. Mm-hmm. And so finding that balance has just been, you know, I feel like it's gotten much more demanding because we're so linked into this technology. But with all of that said, um, I do at least check in every couple weeks. And um, my my plan is when I get that book in my hands, I want to go through that book weekly as well. And so generally speaking, those um, periscopes are on Tuesdays uh, unless another meeting comes up and then I just have to jump on on another day. But the great thing about Periscope is they hold those live broadcasts. And so they're in a library. So if you find me on the app, you can check out any of my old Periscopes. In fact, um, many of those old Periscopes included the MicroStep mm-hmm. and they're on there. And then one of our um, IT wonderful whizzes, Melissa Ortuno has even taken some of those old periscopes and uploaded them to our WBT um, YouTube channel. So there's quite a few places to check those out and hopefully, you know, catch a live one when I'm able to get on. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning those pages. Um, we also have Instagram and a few of us yes. are on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. But um, we are thankful that you joined us today. And we thank Andrea for sharing with us all her vast knowledge of whole brain teaching and this micro stepping. So be sure to follow us on Podbean. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks again, Andrea. Oh, thanks, ladies. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.